KCIUT 89.5 FM, Toronto. And yes, you are listening to the Radical Reverend Show, and we are so very live. Isn't it great to have live radio still in this town? Uh, and yes, so uh, welcome, listeners in listener land. Today is our left, lefter, leftist panel, and uh, we have uh, Emma Wakelin, first of all, and Emma is on the line with us today. We hope you're feeling better, Emma. Um, and Emma is a liberal strategist par excellence and also just was on Parliament Hill for the Pride flag raising and spoke. Emma, welcome to the Radical Reverend Show. Thank you, Sherry. It's um, it's great to well, I was going to say great to be here, but I'm I'm in my living room. But <laughs> great to be on the air with you. <laughs> Wonderful. And uh, you could tell us a little bit about that that flag raising too in a minute. Um, and also, of course, uh, uh, another person who's been on the Rad Rev Show uh, many times, and that's Andrea Houston, journalist. Uh, she is the managing uh, editor of Ricochet Media. Uh, she's also teaching um, queer media at T. M University. Andrea, welcome to the Radical Reverend Show. Thank you, Sherry. Great to be here. Happy Pride, everyone. Exactly. So it's Pride Month, and we must mention that. Um, so let's start, Emma. So, so any uh, other than you know, uh, other than getting sick, <laughs> any, <laughs> any news from Parliament Hill? What was it like? Did you were, were there? I mean, I, I hate to even ask this question, but this is the time we're in. Were there protesters? Was there pushback? Convoy folk? What happened? Um, so, first of all, it was a beautiful ceremony. It was the Pride flag raising um, on Parliament Hill, and I was uh, very honored to be asked to be the English co-host. Uh, and um, there were uh, no, you know, what I'm going to say that there. I think there was about 200 people on the hill, and maybe two protesters off in the distance. And we we showed our love and our voice, and um, we drowned them out. So. Um, I, I know that uh, I, I think it was either later that day or the next day um, that there was that awful um, uh, protest where um, uh, Joe Harden was was attacked. But um, on Thursday, we uh, Ottawa showed its love, and there was a lot of non or sorry bipartisan support on on that stage. Um, so it, it was quite lovely. I should say, too, uh, that this is today is the 11th year anniversary of the passage of Toby's Act in Ontario, adding trans uh, rights to the Ontario Human Rights Code uh, for gender identity and gender expression, which is very important these days as well. Um, And then, of course, later on in 2022, um, the federal government moved on that as well. So just shout out, uh, Emma, I know you were at Queen's Park when this happened too. So uh, everybody around, and I, I stress this, that it was all parties. Christine Elliott signed on to that bill and she became the deputy premier under Doug Ford. So conservatives signed on. Let's remind them of that. Um, exactly. It, it's in, Even in a hyper-partisan town like Ottawa, this was a non-partisan issue. And with Toby's Law, we cannot stress how important that was. And Sherry, you were the driving force behind that. And a lot of where the rights that we have as trans people today 
that is directly has been directly improved by that law. So uh, we can never uh, um, thank you enough for how important that bill was and in your advocacy and making sure that it got passed. Well, that's very sweet. I mean, I want to like throw the credit around to all the incredible trans non-binary and gender non-conforming activists that are out there too. Um, Andrea, weigh in. Any thoughts about the 11th anniversary of Toby's Law? I remember the day well. I, re- I, <laughs> report- there. I, I was yeah. there. I reported on it for Extra. It was a glorious, glorious day. I remember running to Queens Park to 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 take that picture that keeps popping up in my newsfeed every year. Uh, and uh, you know, I was I was saying when I saw it this morning, I was like, you know. You know, few people have done more for for trans human rights, uh, you know, in in, in this country than, than Sherry DeNovo. Uh, but more than that, you know, I think right now we have to really protect it because of everything that's going on south of the border. And he, even here, at, we're going to talk about some examples here in Canada as well. The rights themselves are precarious and they can absolutely be taken back. They can be repealed. Yeah. And so it's our responsibility to fight to protect them uh, now more than ever. Yeah, so let's talk about south of the border first. We're going to start We're start with the USA. We'll work our way home um, in the next hour. You're listening to the Radical Reverend Show here on CIUT 89.5 FM. Your host, Sherry DeNovo, and my two wonderful guests, uh, Emma Wakelin and And Andrea Houston on our left, left, leftist panel. Um, so there are over, I think, over 450 laws now either in some process of being passed or tabled or um, challenged in uh, state governments across the United States that are directed at trans and non-binary folk. Um, this is shocking. I mean, it's it's shocking. If you we were to step back 10 years, we would think, how did this happen? I mean, if we were standing with that crowd at Queen's Park when Toby's Law passed, um, th- this is uh, shocking. Emma, weigh in. Why is it happening what can we do about it? Well, it's happening uh, because there is a focused effort by the um, uh, the, the the right wing, uh, the extreme right wing uh, media, to find um, uh, maybe scapegoat is not the right term, but a, a target, a convenient target to focus um, mindless rage against, and it's it's working in many sectors. The the premier of New Brunswick is weaponizing. Um, transphobia to, to bring some draconic um, rules changes to how trans students are treated. And it's because he wants to trigger election because he thinks that he can get use that as a wedge issue to get support. It's, um, Talk I, about I, that, Emma, like, because listeners there might not know what we're talking about um, when we're talking about New Brunswick and this current move. So maybe just fill us in a little bit. So New Brunswick is uh, making some changes to its uh, its policies that uh, teachers um, or administrators cannot respect um, kids' preferred pronouns or their gender uh, identity unless it's signed off by a parent, um, which which sounds uh, lovely and it sounds uh, logical, except that it, it allows parents who can who are not supportive or who are abusive or, or transphobic or homophobic to to ensure that their child um, gets locked back into that closet, and and we know what the the self harm rates are for 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 queer kids who are not affirmed, it's shockingly high. And as, as it's been said time and time again, when uh, when when a queer youth is is affirmed even by one person, if that's a teacher in a school, 
the rates of self-harm are reduced far below that even of the general uh, population. So what the Premier is doing is is discussing, and it's going to kill kids. And and I, I know that sounds like hyperbole, but it's not. We The, the data is there. There, there are kids, uh, queer kids in New Brunswick, who are going to self-harm because they are not going to get affirmed uh, or find that affirmation in school. And it's, and it's disgusting that it's just being used so that Premier Higgs can find an issue to call an election and uh, get a bigger majority or get a majority government that he doesn't have now. Which is terrifying in itself, Andrea. Um, so, I mean, get a majority on this issue, really? Um, so t- maybe put your two cents in here. I mean, it also really undermines basic dignity and, and, and basic respect. I mean, these young people, whether they're students, uh, you know, under under 18 or not, they're still human beings that have a right to live in dignity. And so this is, you know, also the way the policy is written um, is, you know, you kids will even need to have permission to have their nicknames used officially or, the you know, the things that were just commonplace in schools that kids went to, you know, their students and call me, call me Mickey instead of Michael. This is what I like to be called. Even that will now need to be approved by parents. So this is this is just insulting to young people. This is it. It, it for me, it reminds me of the same conversations we had back in the, the during the GSA fight. You know, kids just it's that's a gay straight alliance, gay straight yeah, alliance yeah, fight yeah. in Ontario, mandating uh, that if students wanted to start a club, that they had the right to do that. It's it it, it it undermines their basic dignity that they want to have. You know to exercise their rights of free expression, exercise their rights of association, and just, you know, be who they wanted to be. And 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 Emma's absolutely right that this is nothing but a disgusting attempt to to play politics and, and, and you know, rally, rile up the, the base to, to win an election. Now, going back to the states for a minute before we leave them alone, because <laughs> um, I want to I talk about tr- Trump's being arraigned, so I want to mention that. Uh, yeah, Trump's being arraigned. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I keep sort of tweeting about this, you know, can we call it fascist yet? I mean, now we have actual, in Florida, we have actual Nazi flags being flown um, on street corners and things. Um, this is, you know, to both of your points, this is a rise in the right um, targeting. Um, this is, the th- you know, the thin edge of the wedge, you know, it's like a you know, classic Mueller quote, you know, first they came, you know, first they came for the trans and non-binary, but guess what? Every other person uh, in the queer community is going to be next, and then, and then, and then, uh, working out from there. Um, so, um, so fascism, the rise of fascism, let's call it what it is in the States, uh, the, the same people who, you know, have kind of added to Trump's popularity since his arraignment. Uh, Emma, his his numbers are going up since he's <laughs> been arraigned. Talk about that. Well, it, yes. It, 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 I think that Trump was right. And gosh, please don't uh, pull that. <laughs> That's a clip. That. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he was right back in the day when he said that he could probably fire a gun down Fifth Avenue and people would still applaud him. And it is right. The folks that um, his supporters uh, and, and, and a shockingly, increasingly um, a large member of his party is is all forgiving. They, they see him as the driver of their agenda, and they don't care what he does. And they don't you can give them all of the evidence, um, and it won't make a difference. And they live in a different reality than we do. And I think when we talked about the rise of fascism and the the, the rise of 
uh, people like Andrew Tate and Jordan Peterson and and others. It's because I think we have forgotten about the paradox of tolerance. That and 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 I saw a, a video today that explains it so well. And I'm, I'm sorry I can't credit it because my my mind is kind of riddled with COVID at the moment. But that the the idea is that hate and bigotry and fascism is a cancer when you allow it in the name of tolerance to fester it will destroy our society and will destroy any semblance of tolerance we have so we have forgotten that we have forgotten the lessons of our grandfathers and great-grandfathers in on when we just celebrated uh deep the anniversary d-day that you the answer to fascism is you punch them in the nose and you you send them back to where they came from you cannot tolerate um fascism it's a cancer on our society, and it will destroy us all. Andrea, weigh in. I think the difference today um, versus previous uh, previous generations of, of, of fascist creep or authoritarian creep is this time around, it's extremely profitable. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was probably profitable before, too, but now it can be monetized on social media. And so we can see how profitable that these, you know, fascist narratives are, both for, you know, average people like you mentioned or the Jordan Petersons, but also the all the fascist uh, and authoritarian publications extremely popular obviously fox being the most profitable and, po- and popular of them all but uh everything from the you know tiny true north type websites to to everything uh, 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 uh more than that um that is what draws people to this is, is it's politically feasible it's politically successful and it's inc- increasingly popular and profitable so um the other thing is that we have learned that trump could still you know, run and still be elected and still and still govern from prison. Andrea, you brought this up. This is a bizarre little truism about American law. Yeah. You know, so I mean, this goes back to the founders, right? The, the, the slave owners who carved out the country and stole it from indigenous people um, that they anticipated that there would probably be, you know, a, a time in the, in the future. And or they, maybe they, they figured it would be one of them. I don't know uh, that it would be possible to be, um, you know, be placed under arrest and even even serve time in jail and still run the country uh, from jail. And, and I, you know, I think that a lot of people in the States probably don't know that. I mean, a lot of the Trump fans, as Emma has pointed out, they think that, you know, that they think that this individual has been martyred and that this is, this is all a ruse and uh, a conspiracy by the Democrats. And so it's really tough to get past that kind of brainwashing. Um, um, so, yeah, I think that I think he will be even, even more successful as his base can, in, in, it continues to see him as a martyr and a, a victim. Um, and I think that, you know, I'm going to call it. I think that he's going to win, assuming, assuming he lives because he does look pretty unhealthy. But if he lives, I think that he'll win. Uh, Emma, weigh in. <laughs> is Trump going to win uh, leadership in the GOP and and possibly presidency, even despite this? I don't think there's a question. He's going to win the nomination. The that party, he he owns that party. Um, yeah, and that party's unhinged enough that they're going to support him. I don't think he's going to win the 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 presidency. I don't think. I think there was a great fatigue, Trump fatigue in 2020. Um, uh, and voters wanted him gone, and I don't see any evidence. In fact, I see a bit of the opposite in polling numbers that they haven't warmed up to him. The general public hasn't warmed up to him uh, and four years or three years later. So um, 
In fact, I would I would argue that of between the choices of DeSantis, Trump, and say, um, uh, I, well, I think it, it would be between DeSantis and Trump. To be honest, I'd rather have Trump than DeSantis. I think DeSantis could probably win. Agreed. So, um, yeah, let let Trump. Uh, let Trump win the nomination, and uh, we'll see where we go from there, because I think it's the less of two evils. And we're t- we're talking here about two very, very old men, though. I mean, I, uh, this is this is also a bit problematic. Um, but um, but more to the point, and Emma, maybe just before we leave the United States alone, because <laughs> let's face it, um, you know, uh, they everything they you know they they catch a cold, we sneeze, you know. Um, so um, it does affect what happens here. New Brunswick, I think, is a classic case of that. Um, how do we begin to turn this Titanic around um, and how um, to all of our American, and we do have American listeners um, and friends and relatives that live south of the border, uh, what what needs to happen down there so that fascism doesn't win? Oh, gosh. I, if I had the answer to that, Sherry, uh, I, I um, in all due respect to your show, because I, I adore it, I probably wouldn't be on your show. I'd be on CNN uh, making $10 million a year because I'd be the smartest person in, in, in politics. But I don't know. Uh, other than the progressives have to show up, and we have to start raising our, our voices, raising our flag, and stop being content. And to be honest, the, the general public has to start waking up as well. Um because uh, it's the again the only way to, to get rid of the the cancerous tumor of fascism is to cut it out, and that that's an invasive uh, procedure. Uh, Andrea, too, and I, I have to think that you know education has a lot to do with this too, right? Yeah, well, uh, and there's a good reason why they want to ban books, right? There's a yeah, good reason yeah. why they want to you know erase history because when you when you read history, when you read about um, you know the 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 more gruesome uh, and and unsavory parts of your history, it empowers you to be better as a better person as, and and fight for a better community for you and your loved ones. Um, but I think the only thing that can really help the U.S. right now and possibly us as well is a revolution. Like that's we are really at the you know the the last possible last ditch effort to save um, human rights uh, and and prevent us from going down the proverbial rabbit hole into full blown fascism at where you know trans people are being rounded up and I mean this is already happening in some states like there's they've just like Florida just passed a, a law where they can legally take children away from their parents um, I mean this is this feels very much like uh, a period of history right before the rise of another fascism regime right this was this this has happened before you know banning and burning books you know passing laws to you know to 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 break up loving families um is a really chilling moment in history so i i i'm with emma i think the only thing that can help them now is full-on revolution people regular people who aren't maybe queer or trans or or people of color who haven't been through you know struggles to stand up and use their privilege and power uh to to call for change i mean like that we're at that crisis level right now 
If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Radical Reverend Show. It's getting more radical by the moment <laughs> here on CIT 89.5 <laughs> FM. And uh, two, two terrific guests, uh, Emma Wakelin. She's a liberal strategist. Uh, worked uh, across the aisle from Emma for many years at Queen's Park, and uh, it was a, a good relationship. And Andrea Houston, who's managing editor of Ricochet Media, in the studio to talk about politics. Um, let's move it here. It, Queen's Park has wrapped up their session um, just last week, and uh, now uh, the MPPs, uh, all of them, have gone on summer break. Um, so, Doug Ford still, if I look at the aggregate polls, is still rising, riding high and would be elected if there was an, an election tomorrow with another majority. Um, so, Emma, let's start with you. How is that even possible? <laughs> well, I, I, I think, listen, I thought I saw that the last poll had him at about 33 or 34 percent. And, and please uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um Doug has a, a basin, but he also has a ceiling. He's never really gone above that in support. So what uh, what Queen's Park and what Ontario needs is, is an effective um, opposition and uh, in, and ultimately um, an opposition that can get people to get off their bums and the vote on election day. That's the trick. I mean, I saw a poll um, not too long ago that said if 18 to 43-year-olds actually showed up to vote, we'd have a very different government. Um, so how do you get them to turn up to vote, Andrea? How do we get the young'uns to turn up to vote, <laughs> to shift the political narrative, to demand change? Well, we need our worker party. We need the NDP to demand uh, sweeping pro-left, pro-socialist promises and actually follow through and actually fight for those promises. You know, we need like AOC Bernie style, you know, politics. We want socialist policies from our from our worker party. We want, you know, fighting for public health care. The government news today, I just read before coming here, Colin DeMello's story that the government is sitting on billions of dollars that they refuse to spend. Uh, spend it. You know, we like we, the worker party should be demanding that that money filter down to the most needy people. We're in a crippling housing crisis, um, not just in Toronto, but across the province. Um, people, like we were just talking before we went on air, people are, you know, 40-year-olds are moving back, moving in with roommates. People are deciding between food and paying rent. Um, this, is not a, this is not the contract that we all signed up for. This is not how it should be in the one of the wealthiest countries in the world, one of the wealthiest provinces in this country. Um, and so I, I really want to see the, the the NDP start to really fight for, for issues that matter, um, sweeping populist policies. Um, and unfortunately, we're not there yet, but I'm, I'm hopeful that that will, because that is what's needed to really not only get the, the, the Gen Zs, the, the under 18s uh, out to vote, 18 to 25, um, but everyone, everybody, well, all progressive people, I think, want this. And I think the analysis that's been done so far um, by the, 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 the war room, so to speak, in, in the NDP caucus, um, the analysis up to now were, you know, just biting at the, the left-leaning conservatives and the left-leaning liberals to win is a failure. And we've seen it doesn't, it doesn't work. Uh, so we need to try something new. So, uh, Emma, um, uh, and again, um, you know, just to bring the fed, federal scene into this a little bit, 
We've seen the um, expletive Trudeau campaign that's out there um, that's clearly funded from within and without the country. This is big money. Um, And we've seen Polyev use words that you would think should be coming from the NDP, like have-nots and have-yachts and and talking about the elites. uh, it's a very strange political scene, and of course, it's it's part of Queen's Park. Although to date, having watched the House in session a few times over the last few weeks, um, it's Doug Ford seems to be playing it in the center a little bit more. What do you think? What's happening? Yeah, I, I think um, the fact that Doug hasn't gone all Polyev um, is is because um, he recognizes that Ontarians are largely not going to tolerate the far right agenda. And I think that what that speaks to is that there is a large enough population in Ontario that can win an election if they have smart, um, uh, progressive policies that uh, uh, speak to a broad coalition of voters and that, um, uh, and I think the for the I can only speak on behalf of the Liberals. I think part of the failing uh, in this last election was that we did not give Ontarians a reason to vote for us. We only gave them a reason to vote against Doug Ford, and that just wasn't going to work in 2022, and it's not going to work in 2026. The Liberal Party has to give Ontario a cohesive plan of what they're going to do to to get Ontario back on track, both economically and socially. And um, that's what voters are looking for. They're looking for a reason to vote for someone not against right now. And and But um, get back on track economically. I mean, you know, the, the Tories would crow that, you know, hey, we're sitting on billions. I mean, they would see that as a good thing, right? We've, you know, we don't, we're not in deficit. Everything's going well. And they, of course, point to the federal liberals and say, look at the debt they've run up. We won't do that. You know, we're, we're balancing the budget. And, um, and you know, and we're, by the way, I mean, I just saw their ad before I came here this morning. We're, we're building 1.5 million homes and we're building highways. Like, that's by a paving good over farmland. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's, it's a pipe dream. Ontario's never built that many homes. And the, the problem is we don't have enough workers because we haven't invested in um, trade education. And I think it's going to start, yes, they can talk about saving, you know, or sitting on billions of dollars. This goes back to an, an old thing that conservatives understand the cost of a dollar, but not the value of a dollar. And that we should have been investing over the last few years in, in trade schools to make sure that we had enough folks who could start building those homes. Um, and that uh, we are we are building a, a, an economy that can compete in the 21st century. And that includes green energy jobs, and that includes high-tech jobs, um, and yes, trade jobs, uh, and, and not the, the industries of the past. Now, now, uh, Tory, uh, Tory, not Tory anymore. Um, so Ford now would would claim that uh, you know that, but they are you know like all these new nurses are coming, all these you know you know uh, personal private. support workers are coming on board. Um, we're in we're investing. We're we're allowing you know um, internationally trained professionals to come in and take and get jobs, and you know it's all about build, 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 and busy, 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 and um, and and this will. 
solve it. Um, uh, that's their message. I mean, their message is it's never been better in Ontario. Now, to contrast that with what Andrea just said, you know, like nobody could afford rent and eat and eat at the same time <laughs> in, in my, many of our locales. Um, I, I mean, you know, the the you know the polling seems to say that people are kind of buying this Tory message. That's what's distressing to me. Um, so, what are the plans? What do you see aside from making positive statements? Um, you know, how do we, you know, cut into the story sports? Really the same kind of question I asked about in the States. So, you know, yeah. And if you have the answer, Emma, you you would you would earn not a million dollars on CNN, but you might earn like what, I know, I know a thousand on CBC. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, like many, uh, unfortunately, many Ontari- Ontarians, I would be part of the brain drain I, um, because they're, he can talk all he wants about nurses coming to this province, but we're losing nurses to other provinces and other states where they can make more money because of the ruinous um, Bill 124. And we are now entering uh, an era where um, folks who are looking to uh, immigrate to build a life, they're not going to come to Ontario because it's too expensive. Um, no, no one can afford to live here, uh, whether you're a new Canadian or someone who... Uh, who has been here for a while, or um, or an Indigenous Canadian? No one can afford to live in Ontario anymore. It's too expensive. I don't know how anyone can start a life if you're looking at a minimum rent of about two thousand dollars. And and God help you if you if you have children and need a two bedroom or a three bedroom because they haven't built two or three bedroom units condos <laughs> in this at least in Toronto in the last twenty years. So um, if if things are radically changed in the next. Um, a very short while, uh, it's going to be uh, ruinous to this province. Well, we're going to take a little bit of a break here. If you just tuned in, you're listening to the Radical Reverend Show here on CIUT 89.5 FM with Emma Wakelin, uh, liberal strategist, Andrea Houston, managing editor of Ricochet mm-hmm. Media. And we will be back. We're just going to take a bit of a station break, uh, but do stay tuned for more of the left leftist lefter, lefter, leftist, something, <laughs> something like that uh, in a couple of minutes. Stay tuned.
And welcome back. You are listening to the Radical Reverend Show, the Left Lefter Leftist Panel. And just want to give a shout out. Um, donations are still coming into the show, and that is so lovely. Somebody called us and made a donation. Thank you, thank you. Um, which is to say that you don't have to stop. Uh, you can still donate, and you should donate. Uh, 89.5 FM, CIUT, been on the air for 35 plus years, and honestly, we need CIUT more than ever, and shows like this, because where else are you going to hear them? Nowhere. Um, we're on the air today with uh, Emma Wakelin, who is liberal strategist, frequent contributor to the show, and another frequent contributor at Andrea Houston, managing editor of Ricochet. I want to talk, uh, we're going to end this show talking all about pride, um, but just for a bit here, let's stay with the Canadian uh, provincial and now Toronto political scene and talk about the mayor race. We're going to have a new mayor soon. Um, Andrea, weigh in. What mm. do we want this new mayor to do? Oh, my goodness. Well, it's, uh, I think, you know, number one, the problems uh, facing the new mayor, uh, not only overcoming, you know, some of the problems that were left to rot and get stagnant under the under the last mayor who really didn't do a whole lot uh, to help the most marginalized and and, and uh, in need people in the city uh, but the new mayor has a major row of hope because they are going to be facing off against Doug Ford uh, who has a majority government at Queen's Park and ho really holds all the power holds all the cards uh, and so to do the kinds of you know major major projects that the next mayor will need to do such as tackling the housing crisis and I just watched the the debate at U of T yesterday between the, the mayoral candidates, uh, which was all about the housing crisis. And there were some really interesting uh proposals that were put forward, things like land trusts and and you know, things like um, you know, putting in policies at the at the municipal level to uh overthrow many of, of the policies that came out of the province, such as imposing rent, rent caps on, on buildings that the city owns. All great ideas. Um, but I think that, you know. Whoever it has to be, whether it's, you know, whether it is Olivia Chow, who is currently right now polling in the lead or Josh Matlow or somebody else, um, I, I think that that person will need to really stand firm in all of the things that we've been talking about right now, about going up against the authoritarian creep that we're seeing from the province. And unfortunately, we, we, we are, it, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms in Canada doesn't guarantee Canadians to have the right to vote in the municipal election. Really, the power of the municipal government um, is, is under the purview of the province completely. Uh, and so really, it is within Doug Ford's power, unfortunately, um, to appoint a, a mayor so he sh if he so chooses we, we, he could cancel the election at any time if he decides that say Olivia Chow is getting too close to the mayoral chair um, he could cancel the election at any time and impose his nephew if say that's what he wanted to do and so I maybe I'm a little bit of a pessimist but I'm concerned that if the if the next mayor that wins uh, isn't strong enough and doesn't go hard enough in in their in their opposition to this authoritarian creep then we really will have a, a situation where um, you know Doug Ford will say, Take away the budget powers from from the city government. Take take policing away from the city government, so, so he could impose any, any number of, of, of increases to the police budget. Take away the TTC. Uh, any any of these things are on the table. So I'm I'm a little bit concerned if if we don't have somebody who is strong enough, who is who is willing to challenge the the the, the, the provincial government, and frankly go to the people and say this is the situation I'm faced with. This is what I want to do. This is what I, why I can't do it. And I, I that. 
that requires full transparency, which the city of Toronto has not been the best at over the years. Emma, that all sounds terrifying to me and probably other Torontonians who are listening. Um, <laughs> what, to what do you think? Good news, fairy. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think? Well, Andrew's not wrong, and he, he's done it before. He cancelled the election uh, in York Region for regional chair back as soon as he became premier because he thought that he was going to have a hostile um, regional chair with Stephen Del Duca, so he cancelled that. Um, Recently, he did it again and reappointed uh, a regional chair in in York Region. Um, I think he he had was planning to amount or not amalgamate, sorry, um, create a a super mayor in Peel Region, uh, but back down when he realized he'd have either Bonnie Crombie or Patrick Brown uh, in that seat, and neither one of those are friendly to his him. So he, yeah, I put nothing past him if if Olivia. Now or Josh Matlow were to win the uh, mayoralty, uh, would he do something drastic? Probably. I, I wouldn't put it past him. Um, now, would he outright cancel election or appoint a new mayor? I cannot imagine a scenario where he would get away with that without triggering uh, a, a bit of a crisis there. But I could see him stripping strong. Whoever wins this uh, mayoralty, if they are not on... Um, the, the right uh, uh, spectrum or right side of the spectrum, um, they're going to have to use the strong mayor powers that ironically Doug Ford put in into place, uh, and I could see him stripping that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, but they have said, I mean, Olivia Chow has said that she would not use them, which I think may be a mistake, personally. Um, but at I, any rate... I cannot rate... imagine a world where she's not going to be able to, she's going to have a hostile council. If, mm-hmm. if she wants to get anything passed on her agenda, she's going to have to use a strong mayor. That, I, I, I see why she may have wanted to say that uh, on principle, but mm-hmm. in reality, if she wants to get anything done, if she's elected mayor, she will have to use the strong mayor power. I mean, one of the aspects of this mayoral election, um, which people have been kind of skirting around, um, and I've had them on the show, is, you know, how are you going to pay for it kind of question um, uh, in terms of revenue. Now, Josh came out of the, you know, out of the gate saying we're going to raise taxes, property taxes, which is one of the only tools the city has. Um, um, not a bad idea, and especially if it's, you know, <laughs> kind of geared towards those who live in the, you know, three million and up homes. Um, but um, the city also ha- does have land. I mean, they can do things and they have, ra- I mean, you know, some of the candidates have raised their voices about, for example, the Ontario Science Centre, making that difficult to shut it down, making it difficult to, you know, uh, privatize Ontario Place, things like that. The city does have some power over, or do they? What do you think, Emma? Can they make a change in, in issue on issues that, you know, really Torontonians really do care about on that level? Without raising property taxes? Well, I mean, just with, you know, getting away with it with Doug Ford still at Queen's Park. Well, um, the problem is, Andrea, uh, as Andrea said before, that he holds all the cards. If, if he wanted to, he could take, he could take, um, gosh, if he wanted to, he could dissolve city council. The, the, the City of Toronto Act is an act of yeah. uh, provincial parliament. It belongs to the city. So he could just say, Toronto doesn't exist anymore. It's part yeah. of uh, the province. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't put it past him. He could take Ontario Place away from him. He could take the TTC away from him. He could take, mm-hmm. he could do anything he wants. And he has a super majority because, you know, almost 60% of Ontarians decided to, to stay at home last year. 
and I don't I don't think that he respects democracy. Like I don't think that he is in just listening to him. I I don't think he is a a, a stupid individual. I don't think that he is you know uh, uh, ignorant to these issues. I think I just don't think that he is a perpetually online individual. Like I don't think that he's like Pierre Polyevra where he is you know uh, watching videos of you know right wingers take huh. He's not a policy wonk. No, exactly. He's not a policy wonk, but he does take advice from people who are, yeah. and uh, and I think that, like you, I think that I, I agree with what you said. That I just think that he enjoys the power, uh, and so and if and if he and if it comes push comes to shove where he is, you know, not going to be executing his agenda or feels that the, the, the mayor of Toronto will be a, a, a bulwark to that, um, then I think that he will take drastic action. I don't think that he cares whether he pisses people off or whether that's going to create some kind of constitutional crisis. Um, I, I think that he's more than happy to use the powers that are afforded to him. I mean, let's face it, and I, uh, I'll put this out there as I wasn't alone. Um, David Miller weighed in on this too. I, I mean, I I was born in the city, haven't always lived here, but um, have lived most of my life here. I've never seen it this bad. Um, I've never seen homelessness at this level. I mean, really, the TTC is now moving home for the homeless. Uh, it's moving shelter, is what's going on. Um, uh, I've you know the, just from any kind of uh, metric that you wanted to apply. Toronto is way worse than it was when I grew up here. Um, uh, others see the same decay, and it's a decay because of lack of funding for the most part, um, lack of willingness to to put funds forward. Um, what I mean, uh, even with homelessness, I mean, Emma, which what is the priority? Do you think for the new mayor, what do they need to do, and what can they do? Oh gosh, that well, housing. Um, uh, that, that's and uh, I apologize. I have uh, I'm suffering from COVID today, so mine's a little. Uh, You're doing great. But, You're doing great. You never <laughs> know it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think uh, the, the the biggest uh, well, the two biggest issues are are um, houselessness in this in this city and and mental health crises and the. The, the mayor has to put uh, now do I have an answer to those no I don't um thankfully I'm not running for mayor I'm one of the I think I'm one of the three people in the city who aren't running for mayor in Toronto but um whoever wins that has to be the priority um alongside of you know combating Doug Ford um and it, we are in a crisis situation. I've never seen the TVC this bad I've never seen um the, the, the hopelessness on the streets and people are angry about it and and I if 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 anything we are on the cusp of some very dark times if we don't get this under control yeah yeah, yeah. Andrea what we, does should the mayor do kind of right away what's the priority um, whoever's elected tax 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 the wealthy tax them <laughs> like raise taxes tax their homes tax their transportation tra- tax car like taxes we need more taxes tax the wealthy tax the wealthy that is what we need to do that is what the mayor should do and use the pa- use the strong mayor powers to tax the wealthy <laughs> there you heard it apparently 80% of Canadians agree with that sentiment <laughs> however you know i have heard the pushback which is well then the you know, rich will take their toys. That, well, that's and not true. Toys and move somewhere else. Um, I, although I find it hard that to think that you know, um, Forest Hill and, and Rosedale will really empty out if that. No, happened. they're not. Where, where are they going to go? <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there we're we in a climate crisis. Where are they going to go? <laughs> <laughs> like, we're realistically yeah. the, the 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 world's 
populous cities will be underwater in a few years. Stay where you are. This is the area. The, 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 we, we are in, out of the entire planet. We are probably in one of the places in the, on the planet that is the safest-ish. It is true. It is true. <laughs> They're not going anywhere. Emma, you want, Emma, you want to more curious note, I think we can take a big lesson from California because they just passed some massive property tax um, um, changes to to theirs and the properties that are over I forget what the exact was it five million or three million dollars are facing incredible uh, property tax increases and and the sky is not falling in California it's still one of the strongest economies in the world so um, I think some lessons can be learned from California on that yeah. Now, we've just, in, in our remaining moments, by the way, you're listening to the Radical Reverend Show with Emma Wakelin and Andrea Houston here on the Left, Lefter, Leftist Show. Um, always love your comments, and especially love it when, when listeners phone in and donate money. So <laughs> I'm not going to stop you from doing that either, um, but always interested in what you have to say. My name's Sherry DeNovo. I'm easy to find. Uh, let me know what you think. Um, pride. We're in Pride Month. It's all about pride. Uh but and kind of keeping with the other themes of this hour, it's been it's it's never felt weirder um, in my experience this pride because of what's going on south of the border because of the attacks on trans non-binary and gender non-conforming folk um, because all of a sudden everything old seems new again in terms of what we've been fighting for. Um, Emma, are you concerned about security, and, and, and what should Pride, the organization Pride, be doing in the midst of all of this? Uh, am I worried about security? Yes. Um, thankfully, uh, there was an announcement on Thursday at the, the ceremony I was that the federal government is giving some uh, money to, I think it was $1.5 million, to Toronto Pride and other Pride um, organizations across Canada to increase security. Um so yes, I am worried, um, and uh, but I think pride. This is an opportunity for pride to kind of go back to what it really was—a a protest and um, a call to action. And this is uh, exactly what we need right now in the queer community: is to have a call to action to our our allies and to the the general public, um, because if we queer um, people right now are the first. I think of the dominoes, um, and you know, not to go with that cliche um, because it has become a cliche. Because I think it's overused, but it's true. If, if I think your people, they will come for us first, and then they will um, come for everyone else. They'll pick us off one at a time. And when you think about organizations like the LGB Alliance in the UK, which is just a uh, well-funded uh, hetero anti-trans organization that claims to be queer. If the bees think once the T's are gone, everything will be fine, the B's will be gone next, and the G's and the L's. So um, we have to make a stand. And pride has to be a little more cohesive than it has ever had before, because the time, um, this is the biggest crisis I think we've had since the 80s, since the AIDS uh, crisis. And this is ex existential for everyone. Andrea. 
Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more with you, Emma. And I really have some questions about this money that's being given to Pride festivals. First of all, I want to, I want, I want to know how it's being spent. I don't. I, to me, this seems like a downloading uh, to police. Uh, this seems like a, an amount of money that's just being handed over to police forces. And for anybody in Toronto who, who remembers the last fifteen years of, of negotiations and fights for Pride uh, at the Toronto City Council level, remembers. Kyle Ray, first openly gay city council councillor in Toronto, who fought hard uh, to have uh, both police and garbage cleanup covered, and that was a that's in kind services that were offered by the city of Toronto. So my question is why why are we paying for for paid duty police officers? Why is Pride Toronto paying for Pride duty? paid duty police office when that is supposed to be in kind. Now, maybe that is a separate thing, but to me this is this is an additional charge that really should have been covered with that agreement, that that contract that was negotiated by Kyle Ray. Secondly, I, I do want to m- make sure that you know when we're protecting ourselves that it's not police. Like we should we should be able to protect ourselves as a community and not have to rely on police. So if if fascists and and anti-trans activists are showing up to drag story hours and and driving um, you know, uh, t- uh, riling up a base to try and bring people out, um, then, you know, we need to do more as a community to protect ourselves. We should not be relying on police to do that for us. Police are not our protectors. They are our oppressors, Andrew, historically. You said something about a drag show, be- a drag... Yeah, uh, my family's canceled. from Belleville. And uh, mm-hmm. and, and right now, that the, I just saw on Facebook before coming here that the drag story hour at the at the public library in Belleville um, was cancelled because of threats from from these anti-trans uh, anti-drag activists um, and uh, and that that's it, it, it makes me so angry because you know there's a publicly funded institution libraries are supposed to be safe spaces for everyone um, and we you know it's not like it happened at the indigo or a bookstore this is this is a, this is this is the public library um, and you know it, it I think about what you know. Premier Higgs was saying how this is, you know, that this this authoritarian creep that you know, or that, that he is concerned about, you know, uh, 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 promoting uh, queerness and promoting transness and promoting drag, and you know, we need to fight that narrative. We need to push back on that every chance we get. Uh, and that includes everybody from libraries and we have to have their back uh, and we have to have prides back. And I would just like to say that this year um, uh, there's there's something called the Night March in Toronto and it's been happening for a few years now. And one of the organizers, one of the original organizers of the Night March was an activist named Brian DeMatos. Uh, and he was a really wonderful activist who unfortunately died uh, uh, last week. Um, and, uh, and so this year, we're, we're honoring him uh, and, uh, and and all of the uh, queer and trans people who unfortunately uh, succumb to either suicide or or other forms of violence and uh, and this is what we're up against you know this is these are the victims of of these kinds of um, fascist and authoritarian creeps and they're and and t- and exactly what Emma was saying scapegoating queer and trans people uh, we need to to this more now more than ever and that's why this this particular moment in history is so chilling and that's why this pride is so important uh and so it's really important that we push back on this with everything we have and and emma just to come back to you um you know we had this uh, conference we got 
And I have to give a shout out to uh, Kristen Wong Tam and others who organized this. Uh, within 48 hours, we had 500 plus uh, Christian faith leaders across Ontario sign a unity statement with uh, queer folk, particularly trans folk, um, at Queen's Park. Um, and that was within 48 hours, 500 plus, with 12 different denominations represented. So. Um, uh, so there's that. Uh, there are there are faith leaders coming out of the woodwork uh, on side, which is wonderful to see because sadly that's uh, what's also spearheading some of the outrage um, against you know queer folk. Um, and, and also, um, but also to Andrea's point, I mean, and to yours, Emma, that you know they're trying to divide us. I mean, there was a, an organization, Gays Against Groomers, that you yeah. know folk were getting you know kind of flyers on, um, uh, th this is horrendous. This is, you know, very clearly American, um, but not only American, obviously, um, part of the strategy. So, um, Emma, some final words, I mean, about pride. I mean, what, what you know, what, what do we all need to do going forward? We need to show up. So, and, and it, as an example, uh, pride is not just Sunday. It's a wonderful parade, and we should all be there on Sunday, but we should be there for the Trans March on Friday night because they're going to be targeting trans people. So we need we need to all show up Friday night. We need to show up for the Dyke March on Saturday to make sure that um, that is protected as well, although I'd say, God forbid, any um, bigot trying to attack uh, the Dyke Parade because I think they'd be fighting off something more than they can chew, but... Um, <laughs> We need to show up. We need to be. Uh, we need to have solidarity yeah. in the pride community. They're coming for us all, and you know those, those LGB alliance, those gays against groomers. They are fronts for the far right. They're they're fronts for um, uh, evangelical Christian organizations. There is countless examples uh, on Twitter of of leaked. Uh, screenshots of their internal discussions talking about how awful gay marriage is and how awful um, yeah, queer rights are. They're not. They're not us. They're they're putting. They are wolves in sheep's clothing, uh, and it's time that we uh, we stand together before yep. we all fall. Thank you for that. Um, also, just uh, you know, an announcement here: uh, the first ever. It's an official Pride event, um, uh, and it happens to be happening at Trinity St. Paul's. But it's called Transformations. It's on all. Uh, it's the first trans-based, trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming uh, event that looks at all spiritualities right across the faith spectrum. Um, uh, there's going to be incredible performers right on Bloor Street. Bloor, just a little west of Spadina, um, and workshops in side as well. Um, and by the way, um, uh, we are providing our own security. It's called us. <laughs> <You> <laughs> so we will be looking after us there. Um, but uh, again, you'll see the posters up. I think they're all up and down Church Street. It's a, an official pride event. Sadly, the only time we could get it was uh, the same time as the Dyke um, March, but it goes from 12 to 5. So you can do the Dyke March and Swing on over too. Um, so uh, hope to see you there, uh, Andrea. Last words. Uh, we just got a couple of minutes left. Um, what What do you hope for this pride? 
Well, I, I hope for uh, solidarity and action, and, and I, I really hope for everyone to be safe. But more than that, I want people to energize and politicize and radicalize your friends, radicalize your family, bring them out, um, talk to them about these issues. I have family who have gone down those right-wing rabbit holes, and many I don't talk to anymore. And maybe I think maybe if I'd have had those conversations ahead of time, maybe they wouldn't have been romanticized by the Jordan Peterson and the and and the Tucker Carlson's um so you know we need everybody um you know who 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 maybe doesn't understand these issues we need to help them understand um because it is now or never can I say one thing about the Airbnb yes oh yes yeah so So real quick um Ricochet Media where I'm the managing editor of we have launched a national investigation into Airbnb and I, I talk a lot about housing because this is this is really at the root of the housing crisis um Airbnb and other short term rental sites have really cannibalized um, all the many rental properties, many of the prime rental properties that we all want to live in. We want to live near the waterfront. We want to live in Kensington. We want to live near markets. Um, and these are the these are the properties, unfortunately, have been handed over to, to short-term rental sites. So go to ricochet.media. We are fundraising to hire four journalists across the country, paid at a living wage, to investigate this. Dig into it. File FOIs. Make those connections and demand accountability. Um, and we, so we're crowdfunding. We need your help. Thank you, Sherry. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, um, so until next time on the Radical Reverend Show, yes, get active, show up. That's the message to walk away from. Uh, don't be quiet. Use your voice. Till next time on the Radical Reverend Show. Them. Trouble so hard. Trouble so hard, don't nobody know my trouble but God. Don't nobody know my trouble but God. Ooh, Lord, trouble so hard. Ooh, Lord, trouble so hard, don't nobody know my trouble but God.